Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here is your host, Marina Maria. Declare the scripture, Zechariah 2.5, over Faith City Outreach, where the Lord says, And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guests, Dr. Willie and Jesse Bustinza, who are missionaries from Samaritan's Purse and graduates from Oral Roberts University. They live in Chihuahua, Mexico. They, um, and I just want to thank you both so much for being on Faith City Outreach and to share your testimonies and for sharing what God has done and is doing now in your lives as missionary doctors. Thank you. It's a pleasure for us to be here. We really appreciate the invitation. First of all, congratulations on your new baby. Thank you. Thank you. Baby Caroline was born six days ago. Her name is Caroline Grace, and her name means joy and song of happiness and also strong woman. And we like to think of the verse in Nehemiah that says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so we picked that name for her, and she is going to be a new member of uh, our family and the missions team down in Mexico. We're very excited. That's beautiful. And what a perfect time, too, during the Christmas season. Yes, that's right. That was a, a beautiful gift. Exactly. <laughs> and you must be so happy, too. And I also wanted to uh, congratulate you on being on uh, the front cover of Samaritan Purse magazine. When and where did this happen? Well, you know, uh, the uh, Samaritan's Purse uh, came to interview us um, Last year, uh, we had an eye outreach for the people that we serve, the Tarahumara Indians, Healthy Copper Canyon. Um, and during that time, they did an interview on us. And I think that they decided to put it in the uh, front cover of, of uh, their website and their magazine. It was a really, it's really a beautiful picture. I looked at that and I was like, wow, my heart melted because of, you know, you holding the baby and um, it's just, it was so precious, so heartfelt and touching. My, uh, I was wondering, when did God call you to be in the medical ministry? And both of you guys are in it. That's amazing. Yeah, and it really is a privilege to be serving alongside my wife and our family because we believe that God calls us as a family to the ministry. You know, it's not just one person's calling. So uh, for me, um, you know, I had the privilege and uh, um, I was raised in a pastoral home. My dad and my parents are pastors in Peru. Um, that's where I am originally from. I'm from Peru. And as a, as a little boy, I used to read books about missionaries. And missionary wow. doctors working in Africa, and just got kindled the desire to to do that, to one day uh, become a missionary doctors to serve them uh, abroad and uh, reaching the unreached. So um, that's how kind of like how my journey began, and uh, lots and lots of years of studying and going to medical school. And I'm just so grateful that God has given us the opportunity now to serve him where we are in a place that is only six hours away from or uh, from the, uh, you know, the nearest large city in Mexico and, and nine hours away from the border. Did you both meet in college or in the ministry, in the medical ministry? So our story goes back quite a, while, a ways. Um, we met when we were three and five years old in Peru, actually. My parents were missionaries with Habitat for Humanity, and they've been missionaries now for more than 30 years, and they currently serve along with us in Mexico. But we met when we were small kids and um, ended up going to Oral Roberts University together, uh, went going to medical school together and training. And I should mention, Willie is a general surgeon, and I'm a pediatrician. Um, 
And so we have kind of a long story, but it's exciting to see how God was with us every step of the way. Was the call an easy one to accept for both well, of you? Yes. Uh, the You know, God's call for your life, I believe, is it's, it's, it develops over time. You know, as a child, I understood the calling to, to just be maybe a, a, a medical um, missionary, a missionary doctor, and just kind of like maybe working in Africa, or I picture myself that way. But as, as time developed, as I continued to spend time with him and in the Word, I started to understand more and more that he just wanted me to be a faithful servant. So I think that that's how uh, we picture ourselves as, as faithful servants, doing God's will where we are. Um, you know, I, I believe that the, the mission field and the ministry is not just uh, in Mexico or, or in a, a remote area of the planet, but it's also here in the States and where we are in our, our place of work. So um, as as uh, as it goes to um, just going to Mexico, I think uh, for us, uh, the call became clear uh, going to a um, missions conference uh, one day and, and talking to the medical director of the hospital where we work now. Um, and how it was it was such a difficult place and there had been some violence in the area. So was the call an easy one to accept, Dr. Willie and uh, Dr. Jesse? Well, um, you know, when we talk about the call of God in our lives, I think it's um, something that develops over time, over the time of our lives. Um, as we follow the Lord, He's going to give us guidance on what to do and when to do it. I think for us going to Mexico... Um, I look, I think back of a missionary or a missions meeting that we had, um, when we met with the hospital director and uh, he told us how difficult it was to recruit people to go to the hospital because it is such a remote area as well as there's some violence that had uh, started happening there in Mexico. And the Lord reminded me of all those times that in the past he got stirred in my heart that he was preparing me to go to maybe a difficult area, a difficult place. And he said, I want you to be in this place. I want you to support this ministry. And so I think that it, it was easy for me to accept because I love the Lord and I, I want to do his will. Now, is it always easy in, in practice? I don't think so. I, we have very hard times, difficult times as, as we are following the the calling of God, but I think as 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 long as our hearts are centered on Him, I think He will direct our steps. Amen. Now, you have uh, mentioned um, a very interesting point, and in, I guess um, the call of God sometimes is not very easy. Let's just say it can be challenging. You mentioned about the safety in Mexico. I know that has changed so much in the past decade. Um, how do you both, um, let's say, um, confront those challenges of safety? You know, that's um, a really real question. And I think um, one that we had to come face to face with was our own anxieties and fears um, as we followed this call to a difficult place <laughs> in the mountains. And um, I remember actually a story about my parents. My parents have been missionaries in this area in Mexico for 16 years. Wow. And one, um, they shared a story once where they were hiking up in the mountains and on a trail and they were going to vil- visit a remote village and the canyon drops like 300 feet. So you're on this little gravel trail and then it just drops straight down. Well, my mom was hiking and she actually fell off the edge oh. and they were going to... Um, to share the gospel in a remote area. And she kind of was going down this embankment, this gravel embankment that then had a couple hundred feet drop. And my dad <sighs> saw it and dove headfirst off the edge wow. to, to save her and landed on top of her. Praise the Lord. They stopped right before falling several hundred feet. Wow. And I was in medical school in Tulsa, Oklahoma at this time when they called us and told us a story. And 
what I realized, you know, my mom said, she said, you know, I would have had peace the entire way down because she said, I know we're right in the middle of God's will. And it just, Mm. it just, it just shocked me. And I realized, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the cartel mountainous region of Mexico, or if you're living in an apartment in New York city, when you're following God's will and you're in the middle of that, will, you're safe in his hands. And we just had to trust him with that. And you know what? We have had no um, security issues personally whatsoever. This entire time we've been there, my parents also have been protected. We do take um, security measures like travel precautions, travel at night. We have security (laughs) advisors, an excellent team of security advisors with Samaritan's Purse that assists us. But I think more than that, when you follow God into a difficult place, there's an element of faith and an element of risk, right? And you have to fully lean on him, even if that means going into inner city Chicago to minister to someone or just crossing the street to your neighbor's house, there's an element of risk. And and that's why it's important to know your call and to follow it wholeheartedly because he'll be there in the middle of that with you. Amen. That was really powerful. What is the most rewarding part of your ministry? I think for us is um, seeing God touch people, you know, because uh, we we know that we are just an instrument in God's in God's hand. Um, and in a way, as you know, as a, as a medical doctor, we have access to people that otherwise wouldn't um, be able to to hear the gospel in a practical, in a very practical way. And of course, you know, we are seeing patients and 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 families in their deepest point of need. And that's where the Savior can reach them. Now, the Taramara are known for being a, a very close group to outsiders. They are very mistrusting. And that goes back to their history. Uh, they've been oppressed by, in, by the Spanish for so long, and they basically fled to the mountains. They used to live in the plains. They, uh, it is believed that they probably descended from the Native Americans on this side, on the U.S. side of the border. But when the Spanish conquistadors came in, they fled to, to the mountains, and they've been hiding ever since. And that's how they've survived, mistrusting outsiders. And when they give us the opportunity to be there with them, to share with them in their sufferings, to, and they see the hands of Christ in us, I think that makes a very powerful impact in them, and they open their hearts. And um, we've seen people come into the Lord through our, our ministry. It's, as as my wife said, it's not it's not typical um, Latin America, if you will, uh, because this is such a remote area, and it's, it's not it's a very rural area, um, and it's working with an animistic tribe that um, you know still does sacrifices to 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 um, idols and, and, and things like that. Um, and they have such a different view of God than the rest of the world. They feel that God is, is weak and then they, that he relies on them to provide food for God so that they can have crops. And so um, seeing that all of those barriers are starting to come down through this work and people are opening their hearts to the gospel. I think that's for us the most rewarding part of our ministry. Now they speak their own dialect, right? That's correct. Yeah, it's called Tarahumara or Raramuri, um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 only a hundred thousand people who speak this dialect. Wow! And have you learned any of their uh, their language? My parents are actually fluent in the language after spending sixteen years there, and they have dedicated themselves to translating the Bible into the language. So, um, Dr. Jesse, you said that your parents um, have dedicated uh, time to translate the Bible? Yes, that's correct. Um, They have been missionaries in the area for 16 years, are fluent in the Tarumara language, and have spent many years translating the Bible into the Tarumara language, which is... um, really exciting is this is the first time in history many of these people are gaining access to the Word of God. A unique challenge is that there's 98% illiteracy as many people live in caves and isolation. They're not going to schools. They're not learning how to read. 
So a really exciting project going on right now is the recording of the Bible, portions of the Bible and Christian songs on MP3 players. We take the MP3 players and hike out for many days into the canyon and deliver them to people's homes, sometimes using solar panels as charging devices as there's no electricity. And people are hearing the gospel message in their own language for their very first time in history, and it's very exciting. Now, when you first play it, what is their first response? Like, what is their facial expression? Well, they're very excited because it's a culture who, uh, they love music, actually. And a lot of the songs, um, a lot of the messages through song, and there's Christian Christian words. And so they can really relate to that. And I think they just <laughs> absolutely love uh hearing something that has been specially created for them in their language. This is a community that's been kind of ostracized by society, honestly. And, and um, the light and the hope and the joy you see in the believers' faces is very remarkable and very different than the hopelessness and the despair we see in the faces of those who don't know Jesus there. Um, so it's very exciting. So do they get up and dance or do they just start talking? Do, you, do they um, start smiling or laughing or, or what is their physical responses? Well, you know, uh, it's interesting that you ask this because they are, the Taramaras are a very stoic culture. As a matter of fact, they're, in their belief, if you show any emotion to somebody, you're given that person power over you over your soul so they are they are very reserved on you know we've seen things that you wouldn't believe in a, a close family member dying and everybody's stand sitting there nobody sheds a tear wow. nobody says anything because it's that so ingrained in their culture i've actually as a pediatrician several times had young mothers sit next to their baby who passes away and dies in front of them and they won't shed a tear and it's 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 tragic actually because in their culture and and i'll have to explain to them do you understand you know your baby's dying and and they say yes i understand and they they're it's it's all fear-based they're afraid that if they they cry or show emotion that the baby will come and steal their soul so they're actually afraid of even the baby's spirit and that's where um a fear-based and animistic culture is rooted and when when they come to freedom and and hope in christ and that fear is broken we we begin to see emotion we begin to see joyful exuberant expressions of faith that are so countercultural for this people group it's pretty amazing so so you've never seen any of them cry before i i've seen a couple of people cry I say that's not the norm. Okay. Uh, you know, there, I've seen a couple of people cry of, of, among the Tarahumaras. And it's like uh, going back to your question, whenever we, whenever they start listening to the MP3 players, they, they, it just catches their attention because it's, it's songs in their language, in their, in their rhythm, rhythms, um, and in the cultural expression they understand. And it just, it, it catches their attention. And then you, and then you start talking to them. Do you understand the songs? Yes. Do you like him? Yes. And that's what you probably, you know, like you said, physical, any kind of physical expression, that, that's it. That's, that's what you'll get from them. And that's for us, that's, that's very, exciting. very exciting. Yeah. Have you ever led anyone to Christ while doing your medical ministry? Yes. Actually, I had the privilege of leading uh, a young lady to the Lord. Uh, she came to me uh, with uh, some abdominal pain, belly pain, um, and she had a, had a problem in her gallbladder. Uh, one of the challenges of being in the mission field is that we don't have all the um, equipment that we would otherwise have uh, in the States. Um, and so I do my own ultrasounds and studies. So I did an ultrasound and um, it looked like there was something concerning her, her gallbladder. So I talked to her and I said, you know, th- th- this is a possibility that there may be something concerning here. Um, I don't want you to worry about it. Now, again, because the culture is fear-based, she came the next the next day and she said, I haven't been able to sleep. I had I had bad dreams. And to, to, to us, 
you know, a dream is, is um, you know, okay, we, we have a dream, no big deal. But for, for them, a dream is so, so important uh, to the point that whenever they greet each other, sometimes they say, what did you dream? I mean, somebody says, I dream with the wolf. That's an expression they have. That is actually something very concerning. I had a, a lady come and telling me that. So I, I and I talked to the translator, and the translator said, um, "Yeah, we need to, to we need to ask her what's going on because this is not normal." So, anyways, I guess she had some nightmares about the the procedure uh, of uh, for her. So I I was able to tell her that there's somebody who's more powerful who can take her fears away, and if and she she decided she accepted the Lord there. Um, and you know we're in process in the process of discipling her, and I'm excited to see what God is going to continue to do. So she just repeated your words, um, despite the fact that she spoke a different dialect, right? Well, in it, this particular young lady um, was actually bilingual, so okay. she was able to. Okay. I was able to talk to her directly in Spanish when um, when um, there's somebody who's not bilingual. Um, it's it's very hard. It's very hard for me to get across much of anything. Um, you know, is spiritual. Uh, I get I get uh, the medical part done, and and but the, we thankfully we have uh, chaplains uh, who are tarahumaras um, who come and fill that role because they understand the culture, they know the language well, and they can share with them, pray with them, um, and if some of them have. Have come to the Lord. Now, will you both still be in the medical ministry now that you have a, a newborn baby? Absolutely. So, um, for us, the ministry we do and the calling is is nonstop, and no matter what form it takes. So, we're excited to be heading back in February back to Mexico. And you're right; we're going to have Lucy is our two year old. She's wonderful. She loves growing up in Mexico. And then we have Caroline. And so I'm going to be shifting a focus more on education. I actually have a background as a pediatric nurse before I became a physician. And I have a really heart for educating nurses. And so I'll be doing that, educating doctors. And we'll also be expanding this year into villages more to do some medical outreach. And so I'll be probably a little more part-time and Willie uh, more full-time, but we'll continue to be involved in what God invites us to do in Mexico. Have you both ever had, let's say a moment where whatever your work, whatever you were doing or called to do, that it became so emotional that you wanted to cry or you cried. Mm. Oh yeah. Several times. Can you please Um, share that moment? Um, uh, sure. I had um, I had a, a a lady, an older lady, who came to the hospital, um, and she had had been laying in bed and vomiting for a month, couldn't get up, and her family had sought uh, traditional healers and 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 other means, but finally, as a last resort, they brought her to the hospital. She had a very long stay in the hospital. Ended up that she had some sort of a cancer in her belly that was very aggressive as we were not able to provide a cure for her, but her family came to know the Lord through, through this experience. Um, and I cried several times <laughs> during her stay, just in, in anguish and sometimes in despair and asking the Lord, you know, to help us because we don't have all the tools that you would normally have available in the States. And with that, you just need to rely so much on the Lord and stay in a place of faith and ask, ask him, you know, how, how can we take care of these people? And, and he gives us the means. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the, the ones. I'm not a very emotional person. I don't, you know, I don't show, show emotion very often in public. But she was one of them that really just broke my heart. How about you, Dr. Uh, Jesse? Well, I recently had an experience where, yes, I do. The answer is yes, I do cry <laughs> at times with my patients and because it truly is heartbreaking. 
right what the devastation the extreme poverty and the suffering the degree of suffering that we see just as a background the area we work in up to 50% of children will die by age 5 from malnutrition and infections and diarrhea and things that are easily treatable in the United States in fact it's pretty common for me to meet a family and say, well, how many children do you have? Well, I had eight, but four of them died or three of them died. Um, And that's just really, really devastating to have your own children and to open your own refrigerator and see that you have food to choose from where they really don't. They did a study recently and found that children only eat about 300 calories a day out there. If you think about that, that's crazy. That's, you know, half a Snickers bar and Mm -hmm. over over time, your body is going to suffer and wither away. I recently had a young two-year-old that came in to our emergency room and she had had diarrhea for a month and she was so severely dehydrated and ill. She was no longer peeing and no longer able to drink. And um, we tried to put IVs in her and we, we tried about 10 times. We couldn't get an IV in her. She was so dehydrated and in these cases, we actually have to resort to putting a needle directly into their bone to administer IV fluids to save their life. And we had to do that. And um, the young teenage mom, probably 15-year-old mom watching, and mm-hmm. we did everything we could. And, and this this precious baby's heart stopped and we had to begin CPR and we had to do a bunch of advanced life-saving things with the team and we're praying and working and, and uh, tragically this was just so far advanced and, and the, the parents just didn't bring her in soon enough. And she ended up passing away and, and all of our staff standing there crying and, and um, praying together. And, and I remember afterwards um, just, the amazing opportunity it is to minister to these families. Amen. And and I remember um, going back to my house because this little girl had, I don't know what she was wearing, maybe an old cloth or something. And so I went um, into my daughter's closet and I found a dress for her. And I bet you she was happy such a special moment for me to be able to take care of her in that way. And, and the mother, you know, the fact that she sees that doctors and and these, the people in the hospital are, are caring for her. And the mother said, you know what? Um, she really needs, she needs a cup of coffee actually, and some bread because they believe their spirit goes on a journey in their culture. And she said, we need to, can I have those things? And she said, I also need some pink flowers and, and a couple other items. And we just, we sat with the mom on the floor and just were quietly present with her and while she grieved. And it was amazing because the next day we um, flew the baby's body back to their village and our missionary airplane. And the mom said to the pilot, you know, I would love for you to come in and pray for the rest of my family and share about Jesus. And that was just an amazing opportunity that opened as a result of that. And even the grief we go through, you know, we're not in Mexico because we think every child is going to survive or we're going to fix every situation or meet every financial need or, or solve every issue of violence and corruption. But we're there because in the middle of that pain, we can introduce them to the love of Jesus and an eternal hope that they can hold on to. So, Amen. This is Marina Maria from Faith City Outreach with today's special guests, Dr. Willie and Jesse Bustinza, who are missionaries from Samaritan's Purse and graduates from Oral Roberts University. They live in Chihuahua, Mexico. Dr. Willie and Dr. Jesse are sharing their uh, testimonies and what God has done and is doing now in their lives as missionary doctors. Dr. Willie and Dr. Jesse. If you hadn't been sent to um, Mexico or, let's say, to a different country, do you think that your faith wouldn't be as strong as it is right now? You know, I think that being in the place where we are, being stretched every day, 
uh, seeing suffering left and right definitely puts your faith in perspective and how much we rely on it. Um, however, I think that if the Lord had called us to the States, he would have places in, in the, in, in he would have put us in the place where we needed to be. And he would have stretched our faith and reach out to uh, beyond ourselves. I think that following God's call for our life has definitely grown our faith being in Mexico where we are. And I believe that he will continue to grow our faith wherever we are. How do you stay in a place of faith with all the challenges that you face and what you see day in and day out? Your work you know, is I think so powerful, but yet I know that what you see on a daily basis is also challenging. You know, I think it's actually a natural process that our faith would be strengthened where we live because we have so many moments of sheer dependence on God. Like when we reach a patient who's sick and we're not sure of the diagnosis, when we're trying to run our own lab work at three in the morning, we're not sure how the machine works. When we're faced with um, just even situations where of security the natural tendency is really to run closer to God and, and our dependency on him has grown so much this year and um, our faith has grown. So yeah, that's the really cool part about being involved in missions is that um, your faith um, becomes really the most central part of your everyday existence. What advice would you give to people beginning their medical ministry? Well, just to, Stay, stay in, stay focused. It, medical training is uh, is a long road, and it's a hard road to to do. And to know that you are doing this for for Jesus and for the people that He cares about, and uh, that's it's so rewarding. Honestly, uh, I remember many a times during uh, college and as uh, well as medical school just kind of reaching the end of my rope and seeing the faces, imagining the faces of the people that he had called me to serve and just being recharged and renewed and knowing that the Lord was calling me to do something special and just continue to, to, to push on and persevere. I think that is going to be a sacrifice and it will be a sacrifice no matter what you do, but it will be especially a sacrifice going into the medical field for this reason. Um, it will be a departure from what everybody else is doing because many people go to the medical field because of the financial gain they may have or the position. But if you are doing and in going into the medical ministry, your aim is going to be very different from everybody else. And you just need to surround yourself with people like-minded. Try to go to conferences where people like-minded are just like in our case, we've gone to many, we used to go to a medical missions conference when we were in the States during training so that we could, you could stay focused, that we could stay focused on the goal that God had for us and the ultimate aim. Why is it so important for believers and not just necessarily um, people who are going into the medical ministry? Why is it so important for believers to fulfill God's plan for their lives, even though it may be a challenging plan? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Marina. I think that God has a very specific and customized plan for each one of us. He knows what we need. He's a good father. He's going to lead us where we need to go. He's going to stretch us in our faith. He's going to places around people who may stretch us. But if we follow God's call for our life, we know that the impact that he's going to make through us is going to be so much greater. God will use you if you are a child of God, wherever you are, even if you decide to run away just like Jonah did. God will still use you and will give you second chances and third chances. But if you stay in a place of faith, if you stay humble, if you stay listening to him every day, He'll do amazing things through you. We, as you mentioned, we went to 
Oral Roberts University. And honestly, the story of Oral Roberts as an evangelist always, always is, challenges me. How he started as a poor boy in Oklahoma, but he learned to listen to the voice of God. And look at what God did through him and continues to do uh, because the, his ministry continues on and the university continues on and many servants of the Lord have come out of the university and serving him to this day in, in missions and also uh, domestically. How can people support your ministry, Dr. Willie and Dr. Jesse? So um, we appreciate so much prayers um, and just people connecting with us. We actually have a Facebook page called Bustinza's Beyond Borders. You can look us up. Our last name is B-U-S-T-I-N-Z-A. So we also have a blog that's www.bustinza'sbeyondborders.com. And you can see their um, current stories. We have testimonies. Prayer requests, and if you desire to give financially toward um, our work in Mexico or toward the malnutrition programs we run, the evangelistic outreaches, the MP3 player project, there's information on that website about how to, how to give online and also on Facebook. Now, I'm curious to find out, too, or to know if you ever have any people like outside organizations coming to the village where you guys are at. Do you mean like uh, short-term mission trips? Yes, or like either trips? either short-term mission trips or even just organizations just coming to visit, just coming to experience the culture. Absolutely. And that is actually one of the most rewarding parts of our job, I feel, is to um, really invite these uh, groups and people who feel called and... Um, interested in the work in the mountains in to get a firsthand view of the work that's going on, the hospital work, the village work, the projects and what God is doing. And so that is something where I would say every month we are hosting different groups and things like that. And so again, we have contact information on our blog and on Facebook. If anyone is ever interested, they feel free to reach out to us about that. Can you share a recent miracle story Yeah, we uh, recently um, had um, um, something happen basically in front of our house, in front of the compound. We were sitting in and uh, and the front porch when we saw uh, the pastor who lives next door running to the to the road. Realized that there had been a um, uh, a vehicle roll over, an SUV had rolled over. Uh, in front of our house, so we all run there. There's no nine one one to call. I mean, there's we're in a, such a remote area. There's no phone service either. So we uh, we thought that the you know the gentleman that was inside was dead, uh, but in the we brought the hospital ambulance um, and all the personnel came, and we were able to actually extract the gentleman out of the car, and uh, he was unconscious. Um, so we, we brought him to the hospital and, and we, we were fearing the worst, honestly, but so we started praying. Some people started praying and the gentleman not only survived, but walked out of the hospital with just minor scratches the next day. And this wow. gentleman actually was known uh, for uh, being a drunkard. He actually had been drinking. That's what led to his accident. And we were able to speak to him and to his family about the Lord and about his plan, um, and and pray with him, and over his over his life, um, and uh, we uh, uh, from time to time we run into the family and they always greet us and, and I think he's doing well and uh, but uh, you know just I think that's a day to day experience for us. You now seeing the power of God in even in small small things around the hospital and around our own lives as well. Amen. How many medical staff people are in the um, same location that you're placed in right now? Or is it just you and your wife? No, we actually are part of a team. Um, uh, we have um, uh, 
three general practitioners. They're all uh, Mexican general practitioners um, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple medical residents and um, I think about 10 or 15 nurses uh, working at the hospital. Um, we're able to thankfully provide a service that is otherwise not there um, for the Taramara uh, indigenous people. Um, we are able to provide uh, surgery as well as, uh, you know, we do eye uh, cataract outreaches, have, uh, laboratory equipment as well as x-rays. So I think we're able to, to do a lot um, there at the, at the hospital. Um, it is uh, such a remote location is always a challenge to get anybody out there, whether they are uh, missionaries, uh, uh, American or, or Mexican or anybody who to to commit to go out into the boonies in the middle of nowhere to work to work with this people group. Um, but we thankfully we we do have a team of people who are committed who are there. We have some village workers who work go out every week and and um, uh, do some uh, medical work as well as um, literacy work. I bet they're very appreciative of you, of your team. Yeah, um, we, we think so. And I think, uh, you know, like I say, they are very stoic, so there's not much of a, uh, not much of a response that you get out of them. But we know that God, God is the one who's, who is watching and who is always giving us the, the thumbs up. Amen. And he is protecting you and providing all your needs. Amen. Yes. Yes, he is. What are both of your plans for this new decade that we're entering, that we have entered already? Are, are there any new plans? I know, Dr. Jesse, you mentioned um, educating the, um, the medical staff or the medical team, that that was in your heart. And is there anything else that's new that's coming up that the Lord has placed in your hearts? Yeah, so we're just so excited to get to go back here in February. You know, since moving to Mexico a year and a half ago, there's been a lot of cool projects we've been able to be involved with. One of them is a kind of a, we call it the backpack project, but every child that comes into the hospital receives a large bag full of nutritional food supplies hygiene articles, toys, educational supplies, and then they get an MP3 player with the Bible on it as well. And we have been distributing those left and right. We've also started a new project uh, called the Fabric Project, where women who are in the hospital will receive a large piece of brightly colored cloth so they can sew clothing during their hospital stay. This is really, really important to them. If you look on Google Images of Tarahumara people, they're known for their really beautiful dresses. One dress can take like 10 yards of fabric and in these bright colors and they're such gifted seamstresses. So we're going to continue that as just a way to connect with these people and to let them know that we care for them. Um, And as they receive medical treatment and hear the gospel, they cannot actually provide for their families and and make these beautiful dresses. We're going to be continuing that Um, And then in this coming year, I want to start educating all of our village workers on what to do if you find a child with bad diarrhea or how do we treat this rash? You know, even people who maybe didn't go to medical school, how can we help treat in these remote areas? Um, The canyon is so remote that a lot of times we actually have to fly in a two-seater airplane to go pick up a patient. It's interesting. There's one community called Nararachi that it's an 18-hour round trip in the car or a 20-minute flight. So you can think about the roads and the canyons, how difficult it is to drive. It takes so long. There's just no pavement, some really bumpy, horrible roads. Or sometimes we take a missionary pilot in the airplane and and we, we fly. And so reaching out and educating other workers in the canyon is a priority for me this year. I'm really excited about that. So. Awesome. Dr. Willie? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, um, my heart um, is uh, for evangelism and uh, especially working within the hospital. So uh, one of the things that I will be focusing on um, this year 
is going to be the chaplaincy program. We've uh, already mm-hmm. kick-started it and um, uh, having um, Tarahumara believers who are able to share the gospel with their, their, with their um, fellow tribe members um, in, in, in the hospital because, you know, it, a hospital, a Christian hospital without um, a chaplaincy program just becomes just a Christian hospital. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and that's that's not our aim. Our aim is to show them the love of Christ, the life of Christ, that they will come to know Christ um, through our work. Um, and so that's that's uh, one thing that I'll be focusing on, um, as well as I'm at the... Um, chief of staff of medical staff at the hospital so training the the doctors as well as i there's a really exciting opportunity that um my in-laws as part of their their missionary work they're actually starting a what they call a mobilization base meaning that um um, Mexican uh, believers who are interested in doing medical missions abroad, or not just non-medical missions, but just missions abroad, um, they they give them, these base will give them the tools, um, will kind of equip them to go abroad, uh, to go to other parts of the world, as well as a, a cultural sensitive way to reach people. I just want to thank both of you, Dr. Willie and Dr. Jesse, for the work the powerful work that you're doing um, at this village. And as I was listening to you, I was like being really inspired. And I was just, it just touched my heart that, do you guys realize that you're transforming that village and you're leaving a spiritual legacy behind for generations to come? Mm. Do you realize you're doing that? I was like, wow, that is powerful. Your team is doing that, and I really would want to let you know to pass on that message that your work is so powerful and so needed in that area, in that village. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I want to give you a few moments to just speak from your heart as if you are evangelizing to All these countries, you have over 160 countries listening to you right now in over 50 states. You pour out your heart in these next few minutes, and then you end in prayer, please. When Willie and I got married 14 years ago, the scripture that the Lord gave us was in 1 Corinthians 2.9, and I absolutely love what it says. It's the promise of God for our marriage. And I just want to share that to encourage our listeners. It says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So we just encourage you if God is planting within your heart, the desire to do missions, whether it's in another country or it's across the street in your neighborhood, there's no difference. And we just encourage you to exchange the life that you would have had for yourself for the life that God wants for you, because it is so much more amazing. And He will provide every step of the way in a glorious way, because the work is His. It belongs to Him. Every resource you need belongs to Him. Every training you need, every intellectual tool that you're going to require to do what you need to do. And just believe that promise. We just give you that promise that, that that you have not even imagined the things that God has prepared for you. And let our lives be an example and a testimony and an encouragement to you that no matter where you go, even if it is the most remote or dangerous or scary of places or the most challenging of calls, that He will be there right beside you at two in the morning when we're with a sick child, when we're struggling and we're desperate and we're relying on him, we've seen his faithfulness time and again. And we know that God will be right there with you as well. Amen. And if I um, may end uh, with a word of prayer for our listeners, I would like to pray for them. Father God, we we thank you uh, for this day. Thank you that you give us the privilege to be called your sons and daughters. You give us the privilege to be called to the ministry, God. Today, Father God, we lay our our hands, our lives, our hearts before you, God. 
And as, uh, as people are listening all over the world, Father God, I ask that your spirit will be poured upon all humankind, just like your word says that the knowledge of God will cover the entire earth as the waters cover the sea. We believe that day is coming, Lord. We believe that the day is today and now, Lord. And as you are reaching the Tarahumara people, God, with your love, your compassion, your forgiveness, even in their midst of their difficulties, God, you are reaching every person who is listening to this to these, uh, radio station and even beyond, Lord, with your mercy, your compassion, God, because you are a God of compassion and a God of mercy and a God who cares about people, who cares about us, Lord. Thank you for this day, and thank you that you love the world so much that you send your son for us to die in our place, to give us life, to give us a second chance. Thank you for being the rock of our rescue where we can all go to God in times of difficulties. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We will return next Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Coast time with another special guest the Lord has brought to Faith City Outreach. Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Salmos 117, alaban al Señor, naciones todas, pueblos todos, Cántenle alabanzas. Grande es su amor por nosotros. La fielidad del Señor es eterna. Aleluya. Alabado sea el Señor. You have been listening to the Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. The music used in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you.